So in this paper, we really wanted to dispel the myth of the heroic inventor, uh, the genius who, by sheer force of mind, extends our technology and extends our science. Innovations don't require a particular innovator any more than your thoughts require a particular neuron in your brain. If you ask the question, why is it that humans are so different to other animals, it's not because of our hardware. It's not because we have these giant brains that make us more intelligent than other animals. In fact, uh, some chimpanzees can beat us on basic working memory tasks, and they even play some economic games closer to the Nash equilibrium, that is, the optimal strategy of play, when we don't. What makes us different to other animals is that we have two lines of inheritance, a genetic line, which all species on Earth have, and a cultural line that's unique to us. The collective brain is what happens when brains exist in societies and social networks that support the evolution of culture. Now, when people think about that heroic genius innovator, they often think of someone with a very high IQ. But in this paper, what we argue is that IQ itself is a product of our collective brains. And if you take this perspective, it helps to solve many mysteries in the IQ literature. IQ test scores have been rising over generations. Now, if you take this rise in IQ uh, at face value, it would render large portions of previous generations barely functional. But if you take the perspective of the collective brain, then IQ becomes a measure of cultural complexity. As we dispel the myth of the heroic genius inventor, what we also point out is that these collective brains can make each of their constituent brains smarter. So in this paper, we identify three factors that we think strongly influence the rate of innovation. Uh, these are, for example, uh, the size and interconnectedness of a society, the fidelity with which information is transmitted between people, particularly between generations, and the amount of cultural variance that that society has. So, for example, when it comes to cultural variance, a society's tolerance for deviation or tolerance for diversity allows for a greater range of ideas in that population. The more diverse ideas you're exposed to, the more likely you are to come up with creative new innovations. Most of the time, innovations are driven by recombination of ideas. So it's when new ideas that have previously haven't met in a social network meet that a real innovation takes place. Other times it's pure serendipity, uh, and in other times still these are incremental improvements on existing technologies. Taking this perspective on innovation also helps to explain why, for example, innovations seem to occur at roughly the same time. Newton and Leibniz both come up with calculus at roughly the same time. There's disputes about who came up with it first. But why is it that across all of space and time, calculus emerges at roughly the same time in two minds? From the perspective of the collective brain, this really was the meeting of ideas that, that had not met before. There are, of course, ways that you can encourage more deviation in society. So stronger social nets allow people to take risks, to leave their job when they have that great idea and pursue it. Weaker patent laws allow people to recombine ideas out there in the world. Stronger bankruptcy laws allow people to have a second chance at life. In order for information to be transmitted between individuals uh, with high fidelity, you do need, for example, a, a common language. If people can't speak the same language, it's very difficult for new and diverse ideas to recombine, and it's more difficult for societies to reap the benefits of, for example, uh, multiculturalism and diversity.